Good afternoon, and welcome to the Freedom to Buy podcast. I'm Joe Dworsky, the president of retail banking for Supernet, and we are the only payment network in the cannabis space that provides true credit card payments. Each week, our podcast is going to take you behind the scenes of banking, finance, technology, and payments to help educate our listeners, like yourself, on how to make the most of your purchasing power in the world of credit. My first guest has over 30 years of experience in banking, payments, fintech, including the likes of Capital One, First National Bank of Omaha, and RBS Citizens Bank. He's a colleague, and he's a CFO of Supernet. Please welcome John Fister. Good afternoon, Joe. Thank you for having me. Um, it is good to be on the uh, first Freedom to Buy podcast, and I'm excited about uh, talking to you and your listeners about my background and the uh, the company that we both call home. Well, thank you for uh, for being the first guest, and I do appreciate that and looking forward to it as well. I gave a little brief overview of your background, but why don't you dig a little bit deeper and tell us you know, you have an extensive background in banking, you know, very extensive. How did you go from banking to Supernet? You know, as you mentioned, I have worked in banking, financial services, fintech, and payments really for the bulk of the last 30 years. It's ironic when I look back over my career, I certainly did not intend when I started to become a banker, but the opportunities that were afforded to me over the course of my career make me very proud today to say that I am a career banker and a career financial services person. Most of your listeners will know Capital One today for the uh, for being a, a large credit card issuer, um, uh, for their commercials, uh, for Spike Lee, for Samuel L. Jackson, folks like that. Um, but when I started with the organization in 1995, uh, they were very much a small startup organization that wasn't really sure whether they were going to ultimately be successful in the very competitive credit card world. I think I learned a great deal about the credit card issuing side of the banking business and you know the, the basic structures of how banking organizations make money, manage risk, and go to market to support their customers. After Capital One, I moved to a, a smaller regional bank, uh, First National Bank of Omaha, uh, obviously in Omaha, Nebraska. Very different from Capital One. But you know, for me, it was an opportunity to stretch my wings beyond the credit card world. First National, while it was a smaller uh, regional bank, um, was a full service bank. Uh, it had um, over 80 branches. Uh, we had a $5 billion commercial and corporate loan portfolio. Uh, the company owned an investment bank. They were a sizable credit card issuer. Uh, they also did merchant acquiring. Uh, so it was the, uh, the my first opportunity to see the payments business. Landed an opportunity with a, a smaller payments company that at the time was a wholly owned subsidiary of a UK-based software company, Sage Payment Solutions. And over the course of uh, five years, uh, we grew the, uh, the company um, to the point that we were spun out from Sage 
to become an independent company owned by uh, private equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a fascinating journey um, that included all of the things that I really enjoy about working in finance. First and foremost, um, analytics, the use of data to identify problems, to figure out solutions, and ultimately to take those solutions to market. Number two, the the excitement and the high energy of you know M and A activity, either either buy side or sell side. Uh, it's incredibly stressful. It's incredibly challenging. But at the end of the day, I have found it to be. Uh, ultimately, incredibly, uh, incredibly fun. And then thirdly, a lot of my energy during my time with Sage Payments and later with Paya, uh, the company that Sage Payment Solutions became, was focused on the go-to-market side of the uh, of the business. Sales, marketing, those parts of any organization are the tip of the spear. And, you know, everybody else, quite frankly, is is overhead. So I thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to work with the sales and marketing side to identify market segments to attack, you know, help bridge the gap, bridge the, uh, the divide between sales and technology and product to get the right product to market, designing commission and compensation plans to ensure that the, uh, the the sales and marketing folks are properly incented. John, can you just expand? I find that very interesting how you said, you know, you wanted to take a different direction from the big corporate, uh, you know, banking environment to a, a small fintech. Can you expand on that a little bit? It sounds like it was more of a quality of life decision. It was indeed, but I think it was a culture change that I was really actively looking for. You know, when I think back over the course of my corporate career, you know, I had some big roles, I had a lot of responsibility, but the one thing that was often lacking, or I'm sorry, the two things that were often lacking was number one, the ability to see the entire picture, right? Mm-hmm. At a larger organization, even senior level people end up having a purview that is fairly narrow, but very deep. Uh, I was looking for something that was a lot more holistic. Uh, And I think that a a, a smaller organization definitely uh, brought that to me. And then second of all, I I enjoy a great deal the the people interaction in a professional environment. And, you know, I found that in the larger corporate world, my interactions tended to be with the C-suite people and vice presidents and senior vice presidents. And, And I never got the... The unedited truth about everything that was going on. Smaller organization allowed me to, you know, really engage with the frontline folks and understand what what's happening at that level as well. Less filtering, if you will. You know, it's a smaller organization, so it's it's all out there in the open. You know, people. That's exactly. Yeah, and from my days on Wall Street, you know. You can get lost in, in in the big corporate world, and you know people might not know who you are. But in a small company, you have more visibility and more interaction. So I, I understand that, and I think uh, I'm, many of our listeners probably can relate to that. You now are at Supernet, so another small startup. Tell us, how did you find Supernet, and uh, tell us a little bit about Supernet for our listeners. So you know, for for the uh, for the listeners who are new to this podcast or new to this space, uh, you know, Supernet is a uh, a new closed loop 
credit card network that is offering fully compliant credit cards uh, initially for use inside the cannabis retail space. Uh, but eventually, our vision is to take that uh, well beyond um, that part of the uh, that part of the economy. You know, after I left Paya, I did a bunch of consulting work for various organizations in the startup world, and I got involved with a small cannabis startup in Maryland. And I learned a great deal about the industry. Uh, about some of the difficulties and the challenges that that, uh, that that industry faced. So it also gave me a, uh, a real in-depth understanding of the value of cannabis, um, not just as a recreational product, but as a medical product. You know, when I was looking for additional consulting opportunities, uh, I ran, ac- I came across the um, the CEO of Supernet, Michael Sang. And, you know, in almost immediately in our conversations, we started talking about, you know, the opportunity there. Uh, You know, from my perspective, it's the intersection of two things that I'm passionate about. One is the the cannabis space. And second is the uh, the financial, uh, the financial technology space. You know, the amount of friction that is in that space right now on the payment side creates an environment that uh, is, in my mind, very ripe for disruption. And what that's is the kind the, of opportunity what, that I look at. Great. And what are some of the friction points in the space today uh, that, you know, prevent credit, if you will, and how will Supernet, yeah. you know, bridge that, uh, yeah. that gap? So I think that there are, there are, there are many. Uh, the first is that, you know, cannabis as a product continues to be illegal at the federal level. Because of that, there are a number of the larger financial and payment institutions that do not want to operate in that space. The biggest of those are the major card brands, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express. But beyond that, you've got the large processors like Global Payments, FIS, Fiserv, uh, folks like that. And what that has essentially done is created an environment inside cannabis retail establishments where credit cards are not available. They're not illegal, but the major players in the credit card space have decided that they do not want to do business in the cannabis arena. So this is a business decision. It's a business decision on the corporate level for both the card networks and the processors. Is that correct for? Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So that's number one. Right. The second, the second, um, the second point would be that, you know, while there are limited electronic payment options out there, right? So some uh, providers are able to provide pin-based debit solutions into uh, into that space. In many cases, or in most cases, retailers are paying upwards of four and a half to five percent of the transaction. Uh, uh, amount in order to access those um, those payment types. So, you know, compared to the traditional retail space, um, there is a decided lack of any ability to use credit. And most of the, well, all of the other payment options outside of cash are incredibly expensive compared to what a retailer would pay for those solutions. Mm-hmm. in a traditional retail environment. Obviously, since I'm 
with the company and we're colleagues, I want to make sure our listeners understand the ecosystem. So to summarize what you've said about what we've built, in essence, SuperNet, we are the train tracks and we're the train. Okay, so we have built the rails, you know, so anybody can, you know, run on our rails to uh, process cannabis. And in essence, the, the train car the, is, is the card network, SuperNet card, and the rails is the processing entity. That creates the closed loop. Is that fair to say? Yes, it does, right? Um, you know, SuperNet plays many different roles in a credit card transaction inside of the cannabis space, right? First and foremost, we are the card network, a la Visa. So we make the rules uh, uh, that, uh, that govern how the, um, how the financial transaction works, how the consumer is protected, um, you know, the fees that are charged, et cetera, et cetera, right? Second of all, we are the processor in this transaction, meaning we are the ones who, at the point of sale, decide, you know, based on the credit card information, decide either thumbs up, yes, the uh, transaction's approved, or thumbs down, it's declined due to not enough, not enough money on your card or something like that. Right. So from a processor perspective, yeah. let me just jump, from a processor perspective, we are more like the TSIS, the first data, uh, yes, the FIS is okay. So we're in that world on the processing side, and on the card side, the SuperNet card is more like the Visas, the Mastercards, the American Express in that realm, if you will. It, exactly, exactly. And then thirdly, we are the credit card issuer, a la Chase, Capital One, um, Wells Fargo, etc. In that mm-hmm. we originate credit card loans with individual consumers and put credit cards into those folks' hands such that they are then able to go into a retailer, swipe their card, and create and complete a credit card transaction. Well, that's um, great. That's, I mean, that's, I think that's very concise and to the point. That's uh, very informative, John. With that being the case, what is the go-to market strategy? Because it sounds like you have, you know, the rails, uh, the card is there, you're, you're doing the underwriting. So what's the plan to bring this card to market and to get it into the communities where your dispensaries are located? Unlike, you know, a Capital One or uh, organizations like that, for us to go to market, we actually have to go to market twice uh, on both sides of the transaction. So first and foremost, we obviously need to go out and get consumers to want to apply for a credit card loan and get the credit card into their hands, right? But almost as important as that and simultaneous to that, we need to go out and build the network as well, meaning we have to go out and get merchants cannabis retailers, cannabis delivery services, et cetera, to enroll and want to accept the credit card in their, in their, in their retail establishment. Okay. So, you know, the path for us to market is really down the ladder path, right? Going to and signing up and enrolling the merchants first creating a network of merchants and then leveraging the merchants and the merchant's customers to market to those folks credit cards and the ability to make payments via a true credit vehicle. So our, our plan is to use in-store 
promotions, in-store displays, point of sale uh, pop-ups, things like that, that will attract the consumer while they are either in the dispensary or through email or other distribution lists from the dispensary mm-hmm. to pique their interest in the credit card. And by doing that, we will bring both sides of the, of the transaction up simultaneously so that we've got the you know, marketplace with consumers and merchants um, all about- at the same time. Okay. And how about uh, in terms of the ISO marketplace, isn't that part of the strategy also to partner with ISOs to help push that card further into the general marketplace as well as the cannabis uh, related businesses? Yes, absolutely. Right. So, you know, I I mentioned at the outset that, you know, cannabis is our first, our first step. The organization was founded upon the idea of, wow, the cannabis space is really inefficient. It's ripe for disruption. And there's a big opportunity for us as an organization to make a huge difference in a lot of people's lives in that arena. Can you just expand for our listeners on what an ISO is? Because you and I both know what an ISO is but maybe some of our listeners don't. So in, on the, uh, in the payments world, when you, know, you think about your, your, your local retail establishments, be it uh, you know, your local hardware store, your IGA grocery, your Starbucks, places like that, right? Payment companies like Supernet, their lifeblood is signing up and enrolling merchants and retailers like the, the groups that I just mentioned. In many cases, um, the payment companies don't have the staff to cover the entire country or even the ent- or, or even an entire region or industry with W-2 salespeople to go out and enroll merchants into their program. So these companies typically go to market through what we call ISOs, independent sales organizations. And these independent sales organizations um, have, and there are literally thousands of these folks across the country, these organizations have salespeople, uh, and those salespeople go out into the field and enroll merchants and retailers into the payment program of, you know, whichever payment company they they are working to support. So for Supernet specifically, we have, we are beginning to build a network of these ISO independent sales organizations who will be deployed not only into the cannabis space, but also into the general retail space to allow us to grow the number of retailers and the, the, uh, the, the number of establishments where our SuperNet credit card can be accepted. Now, if you think about the, uh, the value of a card like this, you know, there's obviously value inside of the cannabis space but uh, if we can expand outside of cannabis to the local coffee shop, the local restaurant or convenience store, places like that, we can end up creating a much more valuable commodity in the form of our credit card because it can be used in places above and beyond just the cannabis arena. Okay. And what talk about the white label opportunity because uh, I know back in the day, you know, you had MBNA and they were white labeling credit cards for 
any and all organizations, whether it was a, a university, a sports team, a company. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the opportunity for a Supernet to create uh, private label uh, credit cards for organizations, uh, you know, MR, you know, MRBs and so forth? Yes, yes, that's a that's a a big opportunity we believe, because there is really no credit solution in the cannabis space today. Um, if we are well, when we are able to bring forward our solution, we have we expect and we've received feedback from multiple diff- multiple organizations that there are companies, retailers, multi-state operators, especially in the cannabis space who would be interested in establishing a co-brand relationship with us so that we could go out with a, you know, make it up Joe Dworsky's dispensary credit card. And, you know, the, the loyalty of customers would drive them to want, the, uh, want that credit card. And not only would they be able to use it in the establishment that is labeled on the front, uh, they'd also be able to use it anywhere else that Supernet is um, is accepted. Uh, you know, this is a, a good deal for us because it helps drive distribution. And this um, will also but, have a loyalty program attached to it, just like any other credit card, because I have my American it, Express and yes. Visa MasterCard. So you have loyalty programs for these white label uh, yes, cards? Yes, indeed. Okay, that's great. Absolutely. Okay. And in terms of the opportunity with financing these cards, can you talk a little bit about, you know, Supernet is going to be acting as the uh, the bank, if you will. So I guess, for lack of a better analogy, we're issuing the card, uh, we're processing, and we're acting as the bank. What are some of the uh, the credit requirements for a consumer to get a Supernet credit card? Joe, the Supernet card behaves very similarly to your Visa card or your Capital One card that you have in your wallet today. You know, we as an organization uh, are able to provide this service to the community only to the extent that we can make good decisions uh, about who is credit worthy and who's going to pay back our card. Um, you know, we are, we are initially going to market in the cannabis space and we are targeting Consumers who are in the uh, the prime section of the uh, of credit scores, so uh, you know around six eighty to seven hundred and twenty, and you know that's where we're going to uh, to start, so that we can learn the business, uh, understand better the uh, the credit risk and how it might be different in this space from a traditional retailer. But the expectation would be that as we learn more. We will become better at making these decisions, and we'll be able to expand our credit uh, decisioning to support additional folks who might not have been able to uh, be accepted at the very beginning. John, that's uh, very interesting. You know how you come up with the whole you know credit analysis. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about the uh, the avenue of a, a banking partner? Because I know that we've had you know numerous conversations, and uh, there's another you know opportunity with uh, partnering with a bank. Can you talk about yeah. that a little bit further? Yes, a- absolutely. Right. You know, one of the uh, when you think about the traditional credit card world, particularly Visa, Mastercard, Visa, Mastercard were established or were created by their member banks. So. In, the, in a traditional credit card environment, the only groups that are able to truly 
participate are banks, financial institutions here in uh, in the U.S. and abroad. In in the SuperNet network, we do not have that requirement. So for us, the requirement of, of, of or the need for a bank in order to do our work for SuperNet inside of the SuperNet network is really limited to we need somebody to move the money around for us, right? Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the uh, of our talk today, um, we have aspirations beyond just the cannabis market, right? One of the places that we believe we have an opportunity is to become a full-blown credit card processor. So processing front-end authorizations and back-end settlement of cash to merchants. And we want to do this ultimately in the Visa MasterCard environment. Since Visa MasterCard require the participation of a bank, in order for us to become what we ultimately want to become, we are, we are actively seeking bank partners who can sponsor us as a processor into the Visa MasterCard networks. So there are opportunities like that that we see for, uh, for us. Uh, additionally, you know, I mentioned that our initial intent is for SuperNet to be the quote-unquote bank and offer the credit lines and the, uh, the receivable uh, or the, uh, the credit card uh, loans to our customers. You know, we are also very open to the idea of a bank or a group of banks uh, desiring to do the same type of a thing and keep the credit card loans on their books. Um, and that would be another opportunity for us uh, as, as SuperNet to, uh, to partner with banks. You know, ultimately, the, you know, credit cards and payments is a small piece of the banking world. And, you know, a bank relationship for a retailer is, is critical. So to that's, the extent that's that we terrific. can integrate. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that's very good. And finally, let me just wrap up uh, one last question that I want to uh, bring up today. Can you talk a little bit about the, uh, the Reg CF? I know, uh, you know, Supernet has now uh, started a Reg CF uh, capital raise. Um, and maybe some of our listeners uh, might find that interesting. So, you know, uh, Supernet is a, a startup organization, and as most startup organizations are uh, want to do, we are uh, in need of raising additional funds to allow us to grow, to go to market, uh, those kinds of things. Um, so recently, we launched a crowdfunding, our um, broker-dealer partner, Mundial Financial, uh, and we are looking to raise uh, up to $5 million, uh, which will be used to complete our technology, launch the product, and begin to help uh, address the, uh, <laughs> the opportunities that we see in the, uh, the cannabis market originally. And how do, uh, how do listeners find out information about uh, the Reg CF? So you can go to our website uh, at uh, www.supernet.ai. Uh, and there will be a link on that website that will take you directly to our Reg CF landing page, or you can go directly to it at www.investinsupernet.com um, and get to the uh, the exact same place. Great, that is uh, that's very very informative. Thank you for that, John, and thanks for listening to Freedom to Buy, uh, obviously presented by Supernet. Uh, to learn more about our company, as John uh, outlined, you can visit our website at supernet.ai. 
And you can also find the Freedom to Buy podcast at CannabisRadio.com, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Uh, please join us next week to learn more about Freedom to Buy. Uh, and we look forward to having you uh, visit us again on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you.